All right, guys, we are so close, five days away from the Oscars. And here today, I'm with Andrew Littlefield, a short filmmaker in Chicago. We're gonna break down the live short film category. Andrew, thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk short films and just films in general. Do you have a special appreciation for the live action short category? I do. I, I think being a filmmaker, you kind of lean on other filmmakers' ideas. I find the stories really interesting when it comes to, to short films because you have such a limited time frame to capture the audience's attention. Uh, so you have to create unique characters, but then you also have a cool opportunity to keep the audience guessing and leave it open for, for interpretation at the end. Not only do you have to have an interesting story, you have to have unique elements to the film, whether it be production design, whether it be um, cinematography, whether it be music, all of that comes uh, into play when a short film because you have to you have to capture characters and the setting in a unique way that people haven't done before. Uh, there's so many short films that are out there, but ones that are nominated for an Oscar, there's something unique about them and you want to understand, all right, how do you get to that level? So the more I follow the Oscars and the more that I keep tabs on the Oscar races, I always want to believe that it's just a pure celebration of the best art. But obviously there's a whole process and industry behind it. You've obviously seen part of what that looks like as you've been to festivals, you, you know what the submission process is like, you see how films are selected and screened and moved to other festivals. Can you share with the audience a little bit of, of kind of that behind the scenes of, of what happens once you've created a short and you want to then kind of put it out into the world and start having it considered into the public consciousness, if not ultimately for an Academy Award? Yeah, I mean, you can start small and, you know, yeah, I was at a film festival in Burlington, Iowa, Snake Alley, which is a phenomenal film festival. It's just a great way to network and meet people from the industry, and they're asking questions about you know what it took to make the film. Uh, but then you also have festivals like Heartland in Indianapolis or Chicago International, which are the you know the Oscar qualifying film festivals where you're going to have viewers, you're going to have people that are viewing these these films and potentially expand your network and push it to the next level where it can be qualified for, for an Oscar. I think another one is uh, the Phoenix Film Festival. So a lot of, a lot of film festivals, you know, you, when, you, when you submit uh, through one of the uh, you know, Film Freeway or another uh, website to submit to film festivals, they, they will let you know, hey, you know, which ones are considered an Oscar uh, qualifying film festival. The goal for any, any filmmaker is just to make a unique story and hopefully it is captivating enough to get the audience's attention. A lot of film festivals have their unique uh, categories. So if you want to make a, a film noir, if you want to make a drama, uh, but you have to be unique about it. You, you want to be able to show the audience something that they've never seen before. If, you're, if you really, really want to push yourself to get into those bigger film festivals, you really have to understand what it takes as far as the production quality, the story quality, and that, I feel, is the reason why we want to view a lot of the films that are nominated for Oscars is because they're at that level of what did the audience or what did the critics find so interesting about these stories, about these characters, and all right, how do I get to that level? Every story I write, I obviously love it, but when it comes to making a film, you have to understand what the audience is looking for, what they want to see, something they haven't seen before. Uh, so you kind of have to rely on your friends or family or outside viewers to kind of give you advice and give you input. Uh, and I, I think that's, that's where you're going to get to that next level. And so you are working on a new film right now. I am. It's a cool little horror comedy. Uh, I've been working on a couple of films recently where I've been using a lot of old footage, home video footage, and I decided to incorporate with this new film a horror film I did in college that I shot on 8mm. And I thought what a cool way to incorporate that than to make a little short about it where 
a married couple is watching this horror film and you get the perspective from both the male and female uh, characters of what it's like to to watch a horror film and how we perceive from both perspectives. So yeah, it, it's a fun little comedy. It's got horror, obviously, uh, and it kind of leaves everyone guessing. So I'm really, I'm really excited. I got two fantastic actors from Chicago, Sean Patrick Leonard and Celeste M. Cooper. Uh, they're coming on board, and right now we're we're fundraising through through Indiegogo. So I'm really hoping to get momentum through that, and then uh, hopefully get it out sometime this fall. Looking to plan a project like this, what goes into it? Like as as you're fundraising, what does that kind of help you be able to do? You kind of you build an audience. You get people interested in your idea. So I love making movies, but I the the goal of of movies for me is getting people excited and giving the audience members uh, an interesting story, interesting characters. So using a fundraising website like Indiegogo. You get the audience involved with the project, and there's incentives, which is pretty cool. So not only do they see what it what it takes to make a short film, but in the end, they'll get something out of it, whether it be a copy of the film, you know, poster, interviews with the cast and crew, um, you know, coming to the premiere. You, you get people excited about the film just as much as you are about making it. So it, it's a great way to to make it more interactive for the audience. And that's, again, it's called When the Clock Strikes, and the Indiegogo is findable, I assume, through Google, through the Indiegogo website. Indiegogo website, there's a Facebook page, When the Clock Strikes, uh, you can find it on there. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's a really cool, cool short film. Excellent. So we'll go from making short films to watching short films. Every year, you know, I go to watch all the categories, and the live action shorts are just a bummer some of them are really good yeah but typically they're they're pretty dark i mean last year if i was to summarize kind of the five movies last year so the winning movie was about a nazi family yeah where the kid ends up shooting the dad then you had another movie that was nominated about a seven-year-old who drowns in cement i think like the the kind of lighter fare last year was about a dying woman in hospice that was sort of the comic relief um there was one about a woman whose child gets kidnapped and then i think there was one about two toddlers murdering like another toddler so this one can be kind of a slog so i'll say that <laughs> i was really pleasantly surprised this year by a pretty uplifting non-painful slate of live short nominees what was your overall take no i i, I agree i, I think it, it there were some very, obviously, a lot of drama, um, very interesting stories, not as difficult to watch as last year's, that's for sure. Um, but no, I thought every each one of them was unique. I think the pr- production value was, was spot on as far as what we wanted to see from, from an Oscar qualifying film. We'll definitely dive into to all of them, but I, you know, just from my standpoint being a short film writer director neighbor's window was my favorite it kind of reflected a lot of ideas that i've had you know you you go into the film thinking one thing and then at the very end it has this really cool twist where you see something from a totally different perspective so i could really relate to to that film Uh, but i you know i thought they they were all um, fantastic. So I think it's I think it's going to be a tough a tough uh, decision this year. Yeah, I love the neighbors window too. Yeah, let's get into the individual films, and I'll do them in sort of reverse order of the betting odds because um, I know somebody who's going to Vegas soon. At, at that, <laughs> that betting mindset ahead of the Oscars. Yeah. Um, the worst bet that you can probably place. Well, first I guess I'll just list the nominees. So the nominees are called Nefta Football Club, Saria. A Sister, The Neighbor's Window, which Andrew just mentioned, and Brotherhood. And the worst bet that you can probably place is Nefta Football Club. Um, that's the longest odds to win this category, which I personally I agree with. So this is sort of like a farce. It's like a comedy of errors about two mm-hmm. young kids that find, they come across 
basically drugs that are being trafficked. Yeah. And it's amusing. It's mildly creative. I didn't think it was though all that funny for a comedy. I, I agree. I, I think the production value was really good. Um, cinematography was really well done. Um, but just from a story perspective, it was it was okay. I mean, I, I think it's worthy of a nomination for sure. Um, but odds are for winning, I, I definitely agree. It's probably the least of uh, the nominated films. But I mean, overall, I thought every you know the acting was solid. Like I said, cinematography, production value was great, but. I think overall the story just didn't hit me as much as a couple of the other films. So, you know, I think in that category, you really need to have that effective story to really come out as a winner. Notably, there are two Tunisian movies in the five films this year. This is one of them, so good for Tunisia, I guess. Um, I think, yeah, this was a good movie. It wasn't bad in any way. I didn't dislike it. The comparable, as I was thinking about it, for me was Jojo Rabbit, which might sound kind of weird, but this is taking a topic that's normally handled pretty darkly. Like, if you think about No Country for Old Men and, mm-hmm. like, what a movie can look like about somebody who wrongly stumbles into a drug trade. Right. And it's taking this kind of thing that's normally handled darkly and instead putting it through kind of like an innocent, childlike perspective with a little bit of comedic tone. Um, now, there's a lot of things that I didn't like about Jojo Rabbit that are not applicable to this movie, <laughs> but I think both are maybe being a little over-celebrated. There's a few others um, that were shortlisted but not nominated that I think I would have rather seen in, but overall, not a painful watch in any way, and I I thought it was perfectly enjoyable. Yeah. No, definitely enjoyable. Yeah. Um, the second least... According to the odds, the second least likely to win is a movie called Saria, which I believe is the only one that you've not seen. Correct. Yes. And this was pretty tough to see. I just saw it the other day. I'm actually... I was surprised to see the odds. This is a movie... It uh, takes place in a Guatemalan orphanage, and it's meant to shine light on a true event, and it uses actual children that were staying at this orphanage when these events occurred. And that was something that got a lot of attention. I sort of expected in some of my early readings that this would be anywhere from like a heavy favorite to just like a lock. Um, It actually, at least odds-wise, doesn't appear that it's uh, a favorite. The director is, his name's Brian Buckley. He makes a lot of music videos. He makes a lot of commercials. That experience comes through. It's Mm -hmm. technically advanced. There's some shots where you just watch the framing and you're like, that's really expertly crafted he has some motifs that he executes really well Mm -hmm. but the storytelling is pretty weak now again the the movie's getting a lot of attention for using these real refugees these real residents from the orphanage and there's no denying the value of shedding light on these type of stories i think just from a pure film experience specifically i did not have an experience that lived up to some of the other shortlisted and nominated movies um, but the third uh, one in this category is called A Sister, which I really did like a lot. I thought it was really taut. Um, this is about a woman who's been assaulted, is now kidnapped. She's making a call, quote-unquote, to her sister, but it's actually to the police and trying to kind of have a conversation that will re- lead to a rescue. Um, how, what did you think about this one? Yeah, I, I, no, I really enjoyed this one, too. It, it, this and I think this and Brotherhood were, I think, very similar as far as just the tone of the film um, and just the, yeah, I agree, just the, the storytelling and the acting was, was really good. I, to me, what stood out was, was, the, was the acting. Uh, I think of all the films, I think the acting in this one was, was really good. As well as I, I really really enjoyed the the cinematography, the, a lot of some of the angles. You know, speaking of Saria, I think uh, looking at a sister, what what strikes me from that storytelling is just the the angles and bringing bringing in the you cut you kind of get into the character of the the female character with the type of angles that they use. Um, I think it really helped draw the tension that was happening so i i to me i think uh, a sister is i think should be in the running for for best short film yeah i thought it was really good definitely kind of watching it through one eye the whole time which is the yeah. kind of 
impact that you want to have, I would imagine, as a filmmaker on your audience. Exactly, yep. Um, all right, so then the second most likely to win, I don't know if it's going to win, but I would love to see it, is the one that you mentioned, a neighbor, The Neighbor's Window. Yeah. Um, which I really loved. Um, in kind of short, you have a couple that are raising um, their kids. They're a little bit, you know, it's just, it takes a lot out of you. And they're sort of, you know, a little tired in their marriage. And they have these kind of young exhibitionists that move mm-hmm. in across the street. And they start to sort of build this relationship from afar, just kind of marking time by watching their neighbors through the window. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it about this movie that really resonated with you? Being a married man myself with, with a child, you, you have those moments where, yeah, you know, some, some days are tougher than others and you kind of get through it and you have to be, you reflect on what you appreciate uh, being uh, a family. You, ha- you also have to step back and reflect on what you have and be appreciative of everything you've, you've come and what you've learned to this point. So I, th- I think it was a film where you kind of, you have to step back and realize that um, everything is meant to be the way it is. And some days are going to be tougher than others, but what you have is pretty, pretty amazing. So it resonated really, really strongly with me. This is probably why it's probably my favorite of the short films. Not only the story, the, you know, the characters, and like I said, it kind of left you guessing as to what exactly was happening across the way and it kind of um kind of brought me back to a lot of the older i don't know in a way like alfred hitchcock like rear window where you know you're you're watching the neighbor across the way and you don't know what exactly is going on um but it was kind of a little more of a modern day perspective on it um which which i really liked and you know this type of story i've done um i've kind of done myself with with uh with one of my short films where you know you, you kind of you think the story is going one way, and then it, it kind of leads to to an understanding of something else. With uh, a short film I did called uh, Perhaps, where it was a, a married couple um, that was struggling with their marriage, and uh, the father, the dad, was a stand-up comedian, and his his wife was more of a, the business person, and they tried to rekindle their relationship by. Um, by having a night out and kind of going into the the situation where they they made it felt like they didn't know each other and re respark what they had when they were younger so that you know that that kind of storyline really resonated well with me and I, that's why I think it's probably my favorite of the shorts and perhaps is on Amazon is that right perhaps is it's on uh, Amazon it's on yeah it's on YouTube and Vimeo if you love neighbor's window you'll probably you'll really enjoy, perhaps. Yeah, I really liked both. The Neighbor's Window, so I watched that in December probably for the first time. I watched it like at night after my wife had already gone to sleep, like on my phone, and I liked it. Like I definitely liked it. I thought it was like compelling, if not had like a slightly amateur feel. And then I saw it again just this past weekend in the theater, and there was a full house with the audience, and I loved it. And it was because what really was highlighted to me was like, at the beginning, like the kind of interplay between the couple, the laugh lines, like everybody was laughing. Whereas, mm-hmm. like you know, sitting at home watching it by myself, like I, you know, maybe chuckled to myself or something. But you had everybody laughing. When the when the tone turns, it gets more serious. It was deadly silent. And you just sort of, I, it helped me pick up in that audience environment. Really, the kind of uh, the depth with which the director kind of navigates these emotional changes kind of marks time throughout a year mm-hmm. um i really i thought this was really strong so it's written and directed by a director named marshall Kari. this is his first fictional work he's actually been nominated though for an oscar before he made a documentary in 2005 called street fight which was a film that followed um mayoral candidate cory booker uh when he was running for mayor of newark um so i, I not something i would have guessed in watching this movie Right. It, it kind no, of felt like an independent project. Yes, for sure. Um, but definitely very different. Yeah, this would be my favorite. I would love to see this win. Yeah, same here. I think probably the more likely to win, I'd say the the pretty heavy odd favorite actually, is a movie called Brotherhood. And this is the second Tunisian entry. 
in the category. Um, and it follows a family whose son has uh, returned after being away. I won't spoil where he's been. It's, it's, rel- it's apparent relatively early in the movie what he's left to do. But he comes back home um, with a mysterious woman. And the story kind of goes from there. What, how did you, what was your reaction to Brotherhood? Yeah, it was funny. I, I actually watched, I watched the film twice. Uh, I watched it with the subtitles. And then I watched it without the subtitles. Wow. And it's, it was interesting to watch the film without the subtitles. And I think the strong, the strong point of this movie is I, I really, you could really feel what was happening with the film, not understanding the language, which, which I think is a strong suit for when you watch a short film, is that you really want to feel invested in the character. So I, I felt it was really interesting to see the 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 emotions of the characters because you know the dad as you could tell he's very he's very frustrated at moments he's very family oriented uh but he you could tell his frustration with one of his sons um but he's a family guy uh and the emotions with with uh with the mother uh and then the son with his brothers you can really feel everything going on in every scene uh which i really Felt, I felt it was such a strong suit, strong part of the film. Same thing with the, the production design, the cinematography I thought was, was really well done. I've, yeah, I mean, overall, if it wins, would I be upset? No, I think it was a strong story. The, the characters were really well developed. Uh, the acting was really well done. So uh, personally, you know, Neighbors Window for sure. I think just because I respond well to that film but brotherhood overall i think it had everything which is kind of what you want in a short film is great story great characters great uh production so yeah yeah i agree the cinematography is beautiful it was an interesting plot you do need some context on tunisia maybe to really truly understand it um and just sort of the political climate there most viewers probably won't have that i mean you definitely can follow the story without that yeah um, I think the second time I was all over it. I think the first time maybe it took me a little while to figure out what was going on. The filmmaker is named Miriam Jubar. Um, she saw two shepherds when she was just visiting Tunisia. She returned a year later, found their home, and cast them. The, the leads are definitely very unique looking. and I, So I can understand where they would jump out to somebody. And, yeah. You know, But she went and cast them. They'd never been in movies. And then they're going to turn this into a full-length feature, which actually last year's winner, Skin, um, was turned into a full-length feature this year with Jamie Bell. This one is probably a likely winner this year, and then next year it'll be turned into a full-length feature. So, mm-hmm. and that's that's the ultimate goal as well. I think being a being a short film director is you have the idea of a short film, but you know you can expand it into a feature. But the the idea is that let's get let's get some traction, let's get some momentum with this cool short film, and then we can expand upon it with a feature. If we have enough interest, we have enough people that are supportive of the story of the characters. So you have that kind of in your back pocket where hey, you like this short film. I've actually expanded it into a feature where we go into this direction with these characters. So uh, that's, I think, yeah, that's a ultimate goal for for a short film director is uh, have a unique story where that we could expand it. So those are the nominees. The it sounds like both of our picks, if we were choosing, would be the Neighbor's Window. I think the favorite is Brotherhood, but definitely the Neighbor's Window could win especially a director that the academy is familiar with although it's a different branch a few of the other movies on the shortlist um that i wanted to highlight so one for me that i would have put in there over nafta football club probably is called miller and son so this was this is a movie it's about a transgendered worker at a family-owned mechanic shop who's not out but possibly is discovered by another family member it's not totally clear whether she was seen or not um but then captures the tension that follows i thought this was really good i just thought it was tense in a way that was 
very nuanced and kind of picked up on like just what would truly be an awkward situation and sort of puts you in the middle of it. Did you did you like Miller and Son? I did. No, I, I thought the story wise, it's all obviously relative for for now. I think this is a huge topic, not only transgender but just you know pe- uh, people coming out uh, and not knowing when the right time is, and especially with this type of situation where it's a family owned business and it seems like the the, the father son relationship was unique in a way that uh, you know the you're you're working on a mechanic the dad is obviously expecting to have a, uh, a manly son that just works on cars every day and you know they have a few beers after work and it, uh, it was obviously a, a difficult situation for for the son to explain to his father uh, what he was feeling and who, who his true identity was so it was. I thought it was really, really interesting, really unique uh, perspective. Uh, but it, w- it was also cool to just see the two sides of of the sun, and you kind of have a different visual of how it was constructed, um, with kind of how he goes out at night uh, with his friends, and then you know how he is at during the day with his dad at work. I thought it was pretty cool dynamic to see that that difference between between his two lifestyles. I, I feel that it should have been nominated over one of the, the other short films that did get nominated. And I know another one that you liked a lot, and I liked too, was Le Petit Mans, which is, I'm probably butchering that French, but... It, uh, <laughs> That's the French film, yes. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> it, it, which, it needs yes. little hands. <laughs> For sure, no. I uh, I was really surprised this was not nominated. Um, this film was super intense. It was like a not a construction company, but um, some so, sort so of corporate corp- revolt. Basically. Yes, yeah, and stealing the the owner's child and you know running away and kind of holding the child for for ransom. Um, but I just thought it was. So the the cinematography in this in this film was so well done. Um, you could just feel the, the the intensity of of the workers, but then how innocent the child was in those scenes, uh, being held captive, and the worker kind of reflecting on uh, what it's like to be a child again, almost, um, and kind of letting go of all the issues and letting go of all the tension that was happening within the corporation. Uh, I, I thought, I thought it was fantastic. I, I really wish it was nominated. Yeah. The child was very compelling too. The young actor was, uh, was quite a fine. And then I think the last one worth mentioning, um, is one from the Sundance short film tour called sometimes I think about dying which is a film about depression. It's it's basically an office worker who's struggling with depression, but one of her coworkers is interested in her romantically, and it's it kind of I guess just highlights sort of how hard the basic interactions of life are for her. I think it starts stronger than it maintains, and this one felt I think substantially more amateur in nature to me than some of the other films. But it was, I think, a film that a lot of people liked, and um, it didn't quite make the cut, but it was, it was shortlisted. Yeah, no, I think it, story-wise, I think it was a, it was a, an interesting story. It's a, I think a lot of people can relate to it. Uh, but I agree. I think production-wise, I think it was a little amateur. But overall, I thought it was a great story. I thought, you know, the actors were were really good. I I, I thought it was a cool. Their relationship was really interesting, and I, 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 this was kind of a film I felt could be developed into a bigger story. Yeah. Um, I, I really hope that it, it goes somewhere. Um, who knows? But no, I, I, I really was invested with the, with the characters, and I, I, that was one thing I felt I would keep watching is to just see them develop more and to see where it goes. Yeah, very compelling performances. The last two I was not able to see. They were one was called the Christmas Gift, which was about a dad who believes his son's requested Christmas gift is for him to get murdered, um, and then Refugee about a Syrian doctor who attempts to escape her war ravaged homeland with her young daughter. I didn't I didn't see these movies. Yeah, no, me neither. Unfortunately, uh, 
they didn't make the list, so. <laughs> and then I guess for anybody who is not disturbed enough by these years nominees, you know, given that kind of there's a history of pretty dark and, and upsetting films in these categories, I saw a short film this year called Vampiro, V-A-M-P-I-R-O, which I won't say anything else about, but that will fulfill your quotient for being disturbed. <laughs> you can find it online. It is really quite upsetting. <laughs> Any last thoughts on the on the short film slate for this year's Oscars? No, no, I'm I'm really excited. I think this is a, a category that I think doesn't have a a full a true front runner. So it'll be interesting to see who wins. But no, I'm excited to uh, to to see the uh, the category get played out. So I guess we'll we'll have to wait till Sunday. Well, thanks again for uh, joining us to talk it through. And uh, anybody listening at home who wants to learn more about when the clock strikes, again, you can Google it. It's on Indiegogo, Facebook. And we look forward to seeing that come out uh, late next year. Awesome. Yeah, I can't wait. Um, stick around. Um, I will cover the international features coming up. Thanks again to Andrew for coming on to talk about the live action shorts. We're going to move now to the international features. Now, in a lot of ways, I'm burning the lead by sticking international feature at the back half of an episode and recording it by myself. There are just so, only so many more episode days before the Oscars, and I need to consolidate a little, but this was really one of the strongest categories in a really strong year. Now, there's ultimately no suspense to the race itself. The five nominees are Parasite from South Korea, Pain and Glory from Spain, Honeyland from North Macedonia, Les Miserables from France, and Corpus Christi from Poland. Parasite will win this race. Lock it in. This is the race I'm the single most positive about in the entire Oscars. And there are a lot of locks this year. But despite the fact that I love some of the other movies that were submitted for international feature this year, Parasite would be my pick as well. As you know by now, I see it as a near-perfect movie and one of the very best of the year, and I'm hardly alone in that. I did an entire episode on Parasite, and I've covered it multiple times because it's nominated in a lot of categories, including directing, screenplay, so I won't really speak on it anymore here, but if you haven't seen Parasite, go see Parasite. I also covered Honeyland during the documentary feature episode, the very first episode I released. It's nominated in both that category and here. It's the first movie ever to be nominated for both documentary awards and international feature. And it's a really interesting character study about a woman who cultivates honey in the mountains and her relationship with her neighbors, mother, and just her general station in life. I'm not covering either Parasite or Honeyland here because I've already covered them. I said the things I have to say about them and I'm not smart enough to come up with more additional things to say, but I support seeing both of them. They're both really good. So a quick step back on international feature category in general. Prior to this year, this was the best foreign language film, and that was changed to international feature to better reflect the global nature of cinema in 2020, but the rest of the rules stayed the same. 92 countries submitted films for consideration. This is critical. Each country is only allowed to submit one movie. That's how it happens that some of the year's most celebrated movies that were international were not even eligible for this nomination. Most notably, France's Portrait of a Lady on Fire, China's Ashes Purest White, Germany's Transit. These are all movies that ended up on a number of critics' top 10 year-end lists, but where the host countries nominated a different movie for consideration. As far as where the winners historically come from, so Italy's won 14 times, France has won 12 times, and no other country has ever won more than four times. Japan submits nearly every year. Spain submits nearly every year. But there are a number of countries who don't necessarily produce lots of movies and sometimes only have submitted entrance one or two times in the history of the awards. This year, there were two countries who submitted films for the first time ever. Ghana submitted a movie called Azali, and Uzbekistan submitted a movie called Honeybread. These 92 nominations are then called to a shortlist of 10 in December, and then five were selected ultimately as the nominees. So like I said, I covered Parasite, I covered Honeyland. Another film in this category with crossover nominations is Pedro Almodovar's Pain and Glory from Spain which is nominated here, and then as well as the Best Actor category for Antonio Banderas' performance. 
I'll talk specifically about his performance in the acting categories episode, which will come out on Sunday along with my picks. The movie itself, though, is an autobiographical film for Almodovar. So he's the director, and it's to a degree a reflection on his life and some of his relationships in that life that have fallen into disrepair. Almodovar has won Oscars previously. His films Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown from 1988 and All About My Mother from 1999 were both nominated for the foreign language film, the latter one, and then in 2003 he personally won an original screenplay Oscar for Talk to Her, and he was nominated for director that year also. He lost to Roman Polanski for The Pianist. Pain and Glory itself is art house to the extreme. It kind of reminds me of Roma in a way, because you can see how deeply personal it is to the director. Its style is quite alternative and interpretive. It's a very loose plot, primarily a number of opportunities for the character to interact and study the relationships with the people that have been in his life. Banderas gives a very understated, uh, but a very steady performance. I appreciated the film. I won't say I loved it, or that this style of movie making is my personal favorite, but it's certainly thoughtful. If any movie had a chance to upset Parasite this year in this category, it, it would be this one. The Academy loves Almodovar. They respect this film. They respect the performances. But that won't happen. <laughs> I caveated if any movie has a chance to upset Parasite in this category, but no movie does. I mentioned France has won the second most foreign language film Oscars of any country. And also that they forwent submitting Portrait of a Lady on Fire for consideration, despite that being one of the most celebrated films of the year. That's because instead, they submitted Les Miserables. Now, this is not the Les Miserables you are most likely familiar with, with Jean Valjean and their close-ups of Anne Hathaway. This is a movie that intentionally selects the same title. It's mentioned within the plot one time that the neighborhood where the film takes place is where the move, where, where the more famous Les Miserables was set, but that's really the only connection. Um, this is a film that, if it had a different title, would not really be mentioned in the same sentence as the other Les Miserables ever. It's totally different. So, this is a film that follows a police patrol unit using a fairly conventional conceit of a new officer being trained on his first day, but the focus is on class and racial tensions between the police officers and the locals. You kind of, early on in the movie, get some of the typical movie, rookie ride-along tropes, and the dynamics that we've seen before, it doesn't feel all that innovative, but the power struggle of the underclass versus the authority that's not totally checked is observable in a way that's very naked, and you can't look away, and as the, as the film builds, it's insanely intense, um, and I thought it had an excellent rhythm. The tension pervades every patrol, and, and then it escalates really massively in the final act of the movie. So as a tonal exercise, I thought it was outstanding. As far as storytelling, I thought it was okay. The tension builds really well, like I said, and I, I'm not going to spoil the movie. I don't think there's really any reason for me to. Um, I believe this is on Amazon Prime, so it's, it's definitely viewable. But I do think the movie cops out, um, no pun intended, in the way that it ends. And enough so to impact my final reading of the movie. There's a lot to admire, I think, still about the film. Its performances are good. It's very well made. Um, this is a first-time feature director. Uh, his name is Lodge Lee. He's a documentarian who actually had accidentally caught a instance of police brutality on tape for a documentary he was making. Um, and this footage that he captured triggered a real-life investigation that led to the firing of the officers in questions and... and this all very much pulls in here, and it's clearly based on and draws from that experience. The last film that was nominated was a bit of a surprise. It's a movie called Corpus Christi. It's from Poland. It's a tough movie to see. I would recommend you start a podcast and then request a screener. Um, I don't think that it's going to be available in a lot of places before the actual Oscars. I do think it is going to get a wide release slightly after the Oscars, so if you're not time-bound with your Oscar completism, then you will eventually have a chance to see it. It's not a movie that I think most people expected, honestly, to make the final five nominees, even after it was shortlisted. 
We'll talk about some of the other movies that weren't nominated in a moment, but Corpus Christi follows a young man who's released from a juvenile delinquent facility, and he ends up falling kind of by chance into a situation where he's in a remote town in Poland impersonating being a priest. The movie kind of talks about the impact that he has in that community ultimately as kind of a wild card, somebody who's not constrained by the rules, but a community that sort of needs that type of shakeup. It's it's a bit of a character study. Um, certainly, like, the lead performer in this is very charismatic, and the movie is compelling in parts. I do think it's a good movie. There's another movie I'm going to talk about that wasn't even shortlisted that I think is a crime to have been excluded. And this is probably what I'd bump for that in my perfect world. I'm not the biggest fan of Pain and Glory either, uh, but I do think that Corpus Christi is a good movie. And like I said, it'll be released more widely early, uh, later in the year, so more people may have a chance to seek it out. It's a movie that if you're doing Oscar completism, one of the nice things about it is that you get to see things that you wouldn't otherwise see. I think this is a movie that a lot of people maybe wouldn't seek out, and if you sort of feel compelled to watch it because you're chasing a goal, then kind of good on you that you get to have this experience that probably you otherwise wouldn't get to have. Um, but those those are the five nominees. Um, they were selected from a shortlist of 10, and the other five that were shortlisted but didn't end up getting nominated were Beanpole from Russia, Truth and Justice from Estonia, Those Who Remain from Hungary, Atlantics from Senegal, and The Painted Bird from the Czech Republic. Now, I'm pretty diligent about seeing a lot of movies. Of those five movies, I have only seen Atlantics. That movie is on Netflix, and I'll talk about it in a second. Some of them, like Beanpole from Russia, I just haven't had the opportunity to see, and since it wasn't nominated, I didn't then, kind of in the final weeks of the Oscar build-up, I didn't seek it out. Truth and Justice, I had a chance to see that in California. It was going to cost me $150, and I just decided not to see it. And then Those Who Remain from Hungary, I'm not sure um, that that's available yet in the United States. Painted Bird, I had a chance to see, and I actually avoided it. I, I decided that I was only going to see The Painted Bird if it was nominated. I understand it to be one of the most brutal, violent films in recent memory. Um, at the Toronto International Film Festival, a number of people walked out in protest. Like they stepped, they stood up and walked out of the movie to make a statement that it was too violent and they weren't going to tolerate it. I wasn't going to subject myself to that if it wasn't ultimately um, going to be nominated, although it is supposed to be shot beautifully. I did see Atlantics, um, and that is a movie that most people thought would get the spot that went to Corpus Christi. It's only the second submission ever from Senegal. In 2017, uh, that country submitted a movie called Felicite, which also made the shortlist but was not nominated. Atlantics is from a female director named Mari Diap, who is very highly thought of. I was personally not as taken with this movie as most other people were. I love the cinematography. It is shot exquisitely. It's very calm, very quiet movie. So it's kind of serene to be in, and I appreciate the slower pace. I like old cinema, and it kind of... It had the pace of an older movie, but I just found the plot itself to be a bit weak and plotting. Um, it's about a woman whose marriage uh, to a son in a wealthy family has been arranged, but she's in love with someone else. So, so far, nothing innovative. Um, but then that someone else dies. He drowns in a refugee raft. It then kind of becomes a supernatural ghost story. I don't really want to get into the details of the plot. I don't want to ruin it. This is easily findable. It's not that long. So it's on Netflix, and I, I would still encourage you to watch it. But I felt the movie missed a lot of opportunities, starting with the chance to get familiar with the relationship between the two lovers before the male character, uh, whose name is Solomon, dies. You basically meet him once, briefly, and then he dies. So... You don't really get a sense for him as a character. You don't get a sense for their relationship. And then as the plot unfolds, I think there are other missed opportunities without spoiling it. Um, dynamics about sort of how the supernatural element comes to, to life really had the potential to be very interesting as far as how it connects characters who are sort of diametrically opposed in other ways. And the movie doesn't, in my opinion, explore that enough. Anyway, um, this wasn't nominated, but a lot of people liked it. I do expect uh, director Maddie Diep will have many relevant films in her, in her future. Another Netflix film in this category, just while we're on Netflix, I can't not talk about this film, it is by far the craziest movie to be submitted for an international feature. Probably the 
set, you know, tied for the most absurd movie to be in any conversation relating to the Oscars. I also put Breakthrough, which I've ranted a number of times about um, in that category. But the movie is called Krasu Inhuman Kiss. It is the international feature submission from Thailand. This entrance has some basis in local mythology, so I'm hesitant to like really go to town on it. <laughs> I don't want to seem like dismissive of the culture or insensitive, but I'm just going to read you the plot description. A teenage girl is caught between the affections of two childhood friends while battling the bloodthirsty demon inside of her that manifests at night when her head detaches from her body and hunts for flesh and blood. Quote, end quote. That was, that's the official description of Krasu in Human Kiss. This movie is quite bad. It is the caliber of a B-cable horror movie, laughably shot, fairly ridiculous. Uh, there are scenes with vampires flying around. There are monks with shotguns. I was just fascinated that this was on a submission from Thailand. I don't know much about Thai cinema. I don't think I saw any other Thai films this year. I had to spend some amount of time talking about this movie. It's on Netflix. If you have very little happening in your life like me, sure, go watch it. Um, but a few of the other notable international films this year that were in the mix to be nominated and then ultimately weren't even shortlisted. So I mentioned Weathering With You in the animated episode. This is a Japanese anime film um, that was also submitted in the international feature, which is actually kind of rare. Invisible Life from Brazil was a movie about a single mother that got a lot of attention. System Crasher from Germany is about an out-of-control child whose outbursts of rage and violence overwhelm the system of uh, social services in place to support her. Um, there was a huge Twitter campaign, actually, for the Indian submission, which was called Gully Boy. I have not seen Gully Boy, um, and it didn't get shortlisted, but there was a lot of energy there. It stars a lot of the biggest names in Bollywood cinema. You know, maybe some people in the U.S. haven't thought about Bollywood since Slumdog Millionaire, but, you know, they have big stars over there. And one of the stars named Ranveer Singh, um, and then Alia Bhatt is, is a female star. These are some of the biggest names in India. And this movie is about India's underground hip-hop scene, um, partially produced actually by the American rapper Nas. It's sort of rare and unprecedented that a film in India with big Bollywood stars would be the submission. A lot of times their their submission for the Oscar category is sort of an independent, lesser-known film. So there was a lot of energy around that, but it didn't break through. It wasn't shortlisted. Um, the Israeli submission called Incitement um, was in the mix. It was definitely controversial. It was about the assassination of Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin, um, but it was from the perspective of the killer. That actually seems like an interesting film. It is one that I want to see. I have not gotten a chance to. Tel Aviv on Fire was from Luxembourg. Um, that was one of the few comedies submitted in this category. Another movie that got a lot of attention, I think in the wake especially of Roma last year, was the Mexican submission this year, which was called The Chambermaid. Similar to Parasite, um, it was very much a class examination. Uh, it, the story focuses on a maid who works in a luxury hotel. There was definitely some thought that this would probably be shortlisted. I don't know about nominated, um, but it wasn't either. A few other movies that, that got a lot of festival play here and then didn't end up getting nominated. The Whistlers uh, is a Romanian mob film. And Then We Danced is uh, kind of a gay coming-of-age story from Sweden. The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind actually just was released on Netflix. Um, this is from the United Kingdom from director Chuetzel Eljafor. Um, he was nominated for Best Actor for 12 Years a Slave, so that's where American audiences most likely know him from. And then the last movie that I want to talk about in a lot of depth uh, is Manos. So Manos is from Colombia. The director is named Alejandro Landis. Um, this movie won the London Film Festival, took special jury award in uh, World Cinema at Sundance this past year, and it was one of my absolute favorite movies of 2019. I was enormously disappointed that it was not even shortlisted in the international feature category. This is a visually arresting movie, um, really white knuckle. It's tough. I mean, it's a tough watch, but it follows a group of child soldiers, uh, militia in Colombia, who are guarding an American hostage. There's kind of a Lord of the Flies element to it. 
as the power struggle and interpersonal dynamics of the group disrupt their mission. I just thought this was such an excellent film. It is loud. It's really uncomfortable. It, ha- it features sort of from a technical perspective, these lens flares and, and these film choices that are really intentional as just far as making the viewer feel disoriented and then pulling you back in the moment, which, you know, simulates in a lot of ways this sort of guerrilla war that these characters are in. Um, I mentioned this actually in the score episode that I released last week. I thought the score here for Mika Levy was a major snub. Uh, Mika Levy was also, I thought, snubbed for the score of Jackie a few years ago. Manos is a movie that I cannot recommend enough. I think it's really fantastic. Really a shame that it wasn't nominated here. But overall, um, great year for international film, as it was for most categories of film, honestly. It's ultimately going to pay off with a non-competitive race. Parasite's going to win. But it'll also pay off with the best of the international films being recognized across numerous categories, which is really exciting, and it speaks to the increasingly global nature of film. Bong Joon-ho put it in one of his award season acceptance speeches that if you can overcome the barrier of just like an inch of text with the subtitles, you can open yourself up to some really wonderful cinema. And as I've been doing Oscar completism and watching all these movies year after year, the international films really are some of the best discoveries um, that you get. I know last year, you know, Roma was really celebrated, but there was another movie from Lebanon called Capperbaum. That was one of my favorite movies of the year. Almost every year, there's one of the international films that I just really love. So definitely encourage, you know, everybody to kind of broaden their horizons if you're not somebody who watches a lot of international cinema. But that's that. That's the live action shorts. That's the international features. Um, I hope you guys have a great rest of the week. And we got a lot left. We got a show Friday that we're going to release. And then Sunday, I'm going to have a special episode where I cover the acting categories alone. And then I also give you all my final picks for the Oscars. And then it's the show. So happy movie watching for those of you who are trying to knock out the rest of the movies. Um, Good luck. And I'll talk to you soon.